Let's go. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's Wobby with you as always. And also as always with me is my partner and co-host Giles, adorned in purple with a swagalicious Vikings hat. But I can see he's in the office, so there's got to be a story behind that. We'll ask Giles about that in a minute. First, let's preview this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. A lot to get to, everybody. I know it's a, a little bit of a downtrodden week for the Vikings faithful, coming off another home loss, this one to the Kansas City Chiefs, dropping to 1-4. and four. The Lions win. You're looking up at a bunch of teams in the division and the conference. Is everything lost or is there something to salvage? We're going to talk about that later on in this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Thoughts on the loss to the Chiefs, some PFF data to sift through, Justin Jefferson to IR, a brief preview of the Bears, and then a broader discussion about the Vikings in 2023 and 2024. All of that right ahead here today on the Wobcast 2.0. To help me get through all of it, we bring in Giles. Hey, bud, how's it going? Hey, hey, happy Thursday. One step closer to the best day of the week. Monday's mm-hmm. almost here. Uh, definitely a great day here in uh, in our world at KLC Financial. We won Best Places to Work in Minnesota, so we're doing a spirit week. Uh, it's nice. Jersey Day today, so I got a lot of purple strewn throughout the office, so exciting to see a lot of uh, uh, patient fans uh, yes. still in the arena. <laughs> so so KLC Financial is is experiencing something, it sounds like something like homecoming week, like in high school where every day is like a themed dress-up day. Is that what you're doing? Okay. Exactly. We've already okay. had neon day, pajama day, the whole <laughs> gamut. Uh, you've seen some different sides of people, that's for sure. You know? I love it. Okay, what's what's Friday? Uh, Friday is bring your pet to work day. Uh, oh. So uh, we'll see some uh, some dogs and cats, I think, here tomorrow. We'll see how so, well they mix together. But I You don't strike me as a pet at home day. Are you, Do you guys have a pet at home? Uh, we have two cats. I should say oh, my yeah. wife has That's two right. cats. That's right. I knew and that. I happen to be in the same household. Um, <laughs> no, I knew that because your cat or both of them have an Instagram account. They do. They're kind yes. of famous. They've been in Kohl's commercials and Kraft macaroni that. and cheese. Uh, my wife is very creative with it. Yep. So yep. Uh, we'll see if they make an appearance tomorrow. I don't know how well that'll go over, but, uh, but we'll see. Excited wouldn't to see it, some animals. Wouldn't it be great for the gram if they were at work? Well, this is true. I just don't know how well they would do with all the other animals, but uh, I guess we could just let chaos ensue. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I knew yeah. that, uh, KL- that KLC was, um, was so honored, but again, congratulations to you and the crew for that. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and we encourage everyone listening to go check out KLC. If you don't know what it is, go look it up. Uh, pretty awesome company. So, uh, and I heard there's a Bo Jackson jersey in the house today too, huh? There is definitely my a brother-in-law. Bo Jackson. Yeah, yeah right. Patrick. Yeah, he's repping Bo Jackson. He's going Love around it. telling the stories. Uh, he's definitely a big advocate over there. He thinks All he's right. the best player to ever walk the field. So, yeah, uh, it's a hot take, but he's, he's pretty darn good. Hey, he's one <laughs> of those guys that athletically, just away from the context of their sport, and their career numbers, just athletically. I mean, you'd put them up there with Deion Sanders, you know, Ken Griffey, like guys that just transcended their their period, their time in sports with their pure athletic ability. Yeah. Bo Jackson totally is that. Yeah, clearly superior. Full yeah, <laughs> Lawrence Taylor, right? Yes. Like, yes. you know, anyway. All right. Yeah. Um, we got a lot to get to, man. Um, a lot to get to. I believe... I believe you were in the. Were you in the building for the Chiefs game? I was. It was yeah, definitely a, an exciting yeah. game to watch outside okay. of the, the end result. Um, I um, I had a uh, a little soccer game, an eight year old soccer game to be at until like two thirty. After that, I bolted downtown, met wifey and friends at the tailgate lot. Did not go into the building, but hung out downtown during the game and and after the game. So I I had eyes on the TV for every snap. You were in the building uh, for the game. I thought the energy outside, uh, the tailgating, the pregame, like it was cool. It was really awesome. It was a late start, a 3.30, Mm -hmm. 3.25 start. So people were getting lubed up and ready to go. Um, So how was it in the building? Did you feel like the juice was there? That's an interesting uh, question because I think going into the game, there was definitely some energy. I think people had ramped back up in terms of their excitement about the Minnesota Vikings. And then the moment the first play happened, oh, it all deflated. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, with Josh Oliver fumbling the ball, on literally the first play, uh, you could see the 
the defeat in people's faces around me, uh, like, oh boy, here we go again. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. uh, that that tended to uh, to equal the result. There are obviously goods and and bads with the game, uh, which we'll get yeah. into. But uh, people look a little deflated after that first game. All right. Well, let's let, let's get into it. Um, the Vikings lead the league in giveaways, Giles. Yep. Um, they're period. Yeah. I mean, They're first in drives that end in an offensive turnover. They have 22% of plays that end in a turnover offensively. Jeez. So one in five plays, they, they turn it over. That's a difficult stat to swallow. It is, you know, and all four losses are in one, sc- are one score games. After being 11-0 and last year, they got four losses in one score games this year. They lead the league in giveaways. It's, it's tough, man. Um, you know, I thought that last year's – team last year's mojo if you just took that and put it into last week's game the vikings mm-hmm. win that game oh i mean that's absolutely. the type of game they won last year guys yes don't you think absolutely. they um, were built for that last yeah year. and and there's just something not quite there for the chiefs not I agree. quite i think the receiving weapons are not quite yeah. what you would hope them to be travis kelsey obviously had a little bit of an issue but i think they're they're not humming yet they yep. i mean uh, the, the the season starts in November, and I think they're clearly following that model. <laughs> yeah, so there's something missing, and it's more than just Taylor Swift, who was not in the building. Um, so, Giles, uh, you couldn't track her down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head with what it is. Um, because if, like, in, tonight the, the Chiefs are hosting the Broncos on Thursday Night Football, I believe Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's on the injury report. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there driving, listening to the radio, thinking, like, Let's say he's out again like he was against the Lions in week one. I mean, who scares you? Really, who scares you? I mean, they've got players, but every every team has players. Like, who really is like, ah, we got to worry about him? I, I need to stop that player. I don't think yeah. anybody. No. Um, so maybe that's what's missing. I'll tell you what's not missing for Kansas City. I, I was impressed and have been all season with their defense. Yeah. Um, it, it is not just like the offense is pulling the defense along. Like the defense is, is good. They're making yeah. plays. They have talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think their defense is pretty good, actually. Now, the Vikings did a good job handling Chris Jones for the most part. Um, and we talked a lot about him in the build-up to the game. So that was something mm-hmm. I liked, and we'll get into that because I believe that will factor into our PFF data discussion. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so good job against Chris Jones, and that's that's um, that leads to some optimism for when the Vikings face some headaches with interior defensive lines as they had a good plan for Chris Jones, and they obviously executed it. I think we'd be remiss uh, before moving on, though, and, and I'd be remiss not mentioning this before handing the, the floor to you to give your thoughts on the game, the officiating, um, you know, there, there were some, I think there were some bad calls there that went the chief's way. Yep. So I I would acknowledge that, but this happens in a lot of games. And if you don't play well enough to overcome a few of those types of calls, then I don't know that you deserve to win anyway. And I think getting too hung up on it is just deflecting away from some of the problems that the Vikings are inflicting upon themselves. So I want to acknowledge that, but I don't want to blame the loss on it. You know what I mean? I could not agree more. There was actually additionally a a face mask penalty on that exact play uh, that you're referring to at the end of the game with CJ Ham. And although that is horrible in its own right, and it would have been a a 15-yard penalty, I think you're absolutely correct. I don't think that you can really hang your hat on that as the reason why we lost the game. Like we lost the game in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, And if you don't play well enough to overcome those, you don't deserve to win the game period. Full stop. A loss is a loss. Just like a win is a win. Right. Like it, it happened. You're always going to face penalties that are called and penalties that are not called. It's just a matter of the game. The refs can't see every single thing that happens on the, on the, on the, on the field. So, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of life. Yeah. Um, you know, right away early in the game, the Vikings, I believe, had like a fourth and three or four that they went for it. And we talked about that, Giles, if yep. you remember. Mm-hmm. You know, where you there's got to be situations where you ordinarily may not go for it, but against this offense, you got to do it. Yep. And then there were some moments later on where they didn't do that. You know, they kicked a 29-yard field goal. Uh, you know, you get down close like that um, against this offense. I think you got to maybe think about – about in. Yeah, about maybe going for it. Um, the first field goal was a 40 yarder and they got points on the board. It was fourth and seven from the 22. I can kind of be okay with that. You know, you can't be too cavalier with this. 
Uh, but then they were fourth and four from the Kansas City 11, and they kicked a 29-yard field goal, and I didn't like that. Um, so some things to nitpick, you know, about the game. But um, the the turnovers are the most concerning. And then I think, and we'll get into this at the end of the episode, but holistically, big picture-wise, the, the mojo, the – momentum the disposition is the most concerning thing right now with some of the things that have developed with Jefferson and the overall record and what the Lions are doing and what I'm seeing for headlines and quotes I don't love all that um yeah but you know from from the game any anything you want to touch on before we get to the PFF stuff from an overall standpoint to put it simply I thought the Vikings looked unprepared and I mean oh, really? that in a few different facets because, uh, for example, even at the end of the game where we were called for our uh, delay of game penalty, T.J. Hawkinson was lined up in the wrong place. And then, and then Kirk was like, come on, come on, come on. And then obviously yeah. we got the penalty. That happened actually several times throughout the game where I'm like, man, you can't be doing that, right? Yeah. Um, so we looked a little bit unprepared from that standpoint. But also, I don't know exactly the best way to put this, but I think we, we didn't know how to correctly apply a sense of urgency. And I mean that in both ways, areas that we needed to be urgent on, we weren't and areas that we should have slowed things down. We were too urgent. Um, I think uh, when it came to the, um, the, the, the call from Kevin O'Connell to, to challenge the play, I think even from sitting in the stands, I recognize like, eh, I wouldn't have challenged that. And I think the, the, the chiefs were quickly trying to do the next play and he felt rushed and he threw the challenge flag. Cause he wasn't sure if it was, or it wasn't, but he saw the next play developing. And then we lost a timeout uh, in the third yeah. quarter. And yeah. I think that clearly had a, a pretty tremendous and direct impact on the fourth quarter when we could have used that timeout. Right. There were, and there was a fourth yeah. down play where we called a timeout to try to get in, in a better position. Like we got to be more prepared for those things so we can conserve those timeouts for the end of the game. Have you had one or two of those timeouts? I actually think we win the game. I really do. Yeah. I think there, yeah. we were so close. I mean, to take a, a brief pause there, like when you think about the Vikings and how many times they've turned over the ball, they've turned over the ball more than any other team in the NFL by fairly wide margin and we have been so close to winning every game i mean when you turn the ball over that many times you should think that it would be a blowout and the fact that we've actually been able to keep them close is a testament to the vikings now that's not meant to say you can go give all those things back you screwed up period full stop you can't like you did poorly there period but there is something to be said about how well our team is playing outside of those things. We've just shot ourselves in the foot like we've talked about time and time again. Uh, but I think uh, first thing from an overall standpoint, we looked unprepared. Um, that came into the fumbles. Obviously, the first play of the game, Josh Oliver fumbled the ball. It was a great play in its its entirety until the yeah. end. Uh, he turned a, a check down into a 16-yard gain, and then obviously, uh, you know, we fumbled the ball. But uh, that's the the first thing. The second thing, which I think uh, I've been waiting to say for years and years and years and years, the Minnesota Vikings offensive line has started to finally look good. I agree. Oh with you. my goodness. We had a phenomenal game against the chiefs, especially considering yeah. going up against Chris Jones, who is one of the best interior defensive tackles in the entire NFL. We held our own. We yeah. really did across all five guys. I was, I was impressed. Con- yeah. Color me impressed. Like he, they did a great job. I, yeah. I was in love with Brad- Garrett Bradbury's first full game back. I believe, well, we'll get into PFF grade beta, but they all did phenomenally. Yep. Excited to see that and say that for the first time in a while. Yeah, I think you're right, Giles, and it's too bad that that sort of um, development happened in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of why the game was close, but mm-hmm. it's too bad it happened in this game because of the outcome of the game, right? Yes. Um, ironically, the game ended in a sack, too, <laughs> which <laughs> I'm more mad at Cousins for that than anything. Like, it's like the last play of the game, and you just got sacked, bro. It's laughable. You got sacked on a Hail Mary. I'm like, unfortunately, that kind of personifies Cousins, like a little bit, you know? Unfortunately. You know, um, super talented, great numbers, but like just robotic and computer-like and took a sack on a Hail Mary play. Like, gosh. (laughs) Um, But let's sort of transition into the PFF data here, gals. We, We do a fun thing where we guess, you know, you have me guess top and bottom five offense, defense, and I, I've i got my list down, my guesses down. And I, tru- I truly did it off, off the top of my head and just, you know, I, I typed them out. And I had to pause because the first four were offensive linemen. And this is, <laughs> this is not me peeking at the grades. This is me thinking back to the game, watching it, um, 
and and then watching when I watch the game back, you know, and I look mm-hmm. at it from the all twenty two. I got Darrison, Bradbury, Cleveland, and Ingram all in there, and it's just so weird to me because I think O'Neal is is in there like almost every week, and I don't yep. have him in there this week, but I have the other four in there, and I'm like, wow, no Jefferson, no Cousins, you yep. know, no Oliver, no Hawkinson. It's four offensive linemen, and it's Jordan Addison, and I don't even know if I'm right. I think <laughs> I am, but based on your reaction. Um, but you, you got to right. love it. You got to love it if you're a Vikings fan. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we've been waiting for this for years and years and years. That's been our yeah. number one deficiency as a team is our offensive protection. And it's finally an area where we've corrected that. So props to all the different people that have contributed to that. So is that right? Are there four of them in there? There are four offensive linemen in the yeah. top five. They should be in there. And who's the other <laughs> one? Uh, so the other one is Brian O'Neill. Uh, oh. He had a pretty decent game, but he was not in the top five. Oh, no. but Right. So I'm saying four oh, of the top five. So who's the fifth? Uh, it's the guy throwing the ball, Kirk Cousins. He actually had a pretty decent statistical game. Uh, You know, uh, I wouldn't say it was phenomenal, but he had a decent uh, statistical game, but he was uh, ranked fourth uh, uh, across the offensive spectrum here at 77.5. So go through the numbers quickly. How'd they grade out? So starting at fifth would be Ed Ingram, our right guard, at a 72.5 grade. He did great in run and pass protection. Finally, what we have been waiting for since we drafted him. He is a prototypical physical right guard. He's exactly what I want physically. He just had issues when it comes to technique, and in this game, he fixed it. He fixed it big time, which got to give you a huge props, Ed. That's phenomenal. And I think maybe the introduction of Dalton Reiser into the room, maybe put a little bit of heat on on his seat saying, hey, get up or get out. And I think he is, <laughs> he's definitely yeah. turned things around. So if we can continue yeah. this play, I mean, it, maybe even uh, Quasi thought about this, like, Hey, he just needs a little extra motivation. And this yeah. has definitely done that. Cause really his mistakes, in my opinion, weren't that hard to solve. That's why I was so frustrated by Ed Ingram. And I was such a big proponent of keeping him on the field. I'm like, once you can crack this, you've got a good right guard here. So uh, hopefully we can keep that play uh, on the rise there. So he's done yeah. very, very well. Uh, coming in at four, obviously, was Kirk at a 77.5. Coming in at the third was Ezra Cleveland, our left guard, coming in at a 79.1 grade. Uh, played every snap. He did very well. He was elite uh, in run blocking, and he was average in pass blocking. But uh, at the end of the day, had a very, very great day. Uh, once again, equaling a 79.1 PFF grade. And then moving on to the second uh, in his introductory game this season is Garrett Bradbury coming in at 82.0 grade. Ooh. He did elite, absolutely elite in the run blocking game and did pretty darn good in the pass blocking game as well and came in obviously at an 82.0 grade overall. I mean, this is exactly what we wanted in uh, this first round pick. Uh, now that we've signed him into an extension, uh, this is now starting to, to reach the elite level center play that we were hoping for in the first round play. Uh, so hopefully we can keep that up uh, because... He's obviously a very vital point of this offense. And then, as always, coming in at number one is Christian Derrissaw at an 88.5 grade. He was the best offensive lineman in the NFL last week. Oh, really? He did amazing. He was elite in every single category. He was the best offensive lineman, according to PFF, across the entire NFL. I mean, uh, he he deserves that. He's usually up there. Um, I'm not surprised. Giles, I have uh, across the interior then 75, 79, 82. For the three mm-hmm. interior guys. I mean, yep. And Brian that, O'Neill had a 65.1 grade. He had a few bad snaps in the run, which is why he got dinged. Uh, but he also did very, very well. I mean, he was elite in pass blocking run is where he, he struggled. Over the long haul, Giles, 75, 79, 82 across the interior for the Vikings with Cousins, the weapons, if you put Jefferson yep. in. Um, yep. The Vikings are going to score 25-plus points a game in that scenario. So they exactly. got to keep – if that if – that, is maintained that is very good for this offense and for the team so look i i get the pessimism i get the sky is falling if people want to feel that way they can feel that way and they have a lot to point to but this is a silver lining in the the poor start so far Mm -hmm. um is there are indications that some things are clicking here and i i I definitely would credit kevin o'connell for that when you are as a team, when you have such a severe apparent mismatch, like it was with Chris Jones going against the interior and it's neutralized or even you play better, that is not just the players. There's a, there's a scheme and a strategy there that needs to be pointed out. Or at yep. least I, I can't draw it up for you and tell you what it was, 
but it was there and um you know kudos to those coaches and the players for figuring that part of it out and and playing more than well enough to put the team in a position to win yep i mean this team is playing like a top five offensive line they really are i mean for derisaw out of 72 qualified tackles both left and right tackle he's fourth in the nfl through five weeks brian o'neill is sixth out of 72 qualified tackles so we're we have fringe top five tackles that's phenomenal. Like, that's the best yeah. in the NFL, period. When you look at uh, the inside, Ezra Cleveland, out of 78 qualified guards for both left and right guard, Ezra Cleveland is 10th. Ed Ingram uh, has now made his way up to 18th. Yeah. So we have top 20 interior guards. So things, things are, are going here in the right direction, finally. And mm-hmm. it's something... It's it, it's part. It, it's one of the building blocks. Um, not mm-hmm. just, like, to turn it around this season, but just, you know, when you think long-term... This is a group that you can sort of have as part of what you're building. You know, you're not looking to immediately replace any of these guys. None of them are past their prime or over the hill or or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. um, optimistic part of a slow start for the Vikings is the performance of the offensive line and particularly the positive development of late of the interior. So very good. Um, Don't like to dwell on this, so we'll move past it quickly. I didn't love the, the two top tight ends. I didn't love the running backs, so I won't be surprised if uh, Madison's in there. Jefferson probably not going to be up there real high, and I thought my man K.J. Osborne did not perform well. Um, so I got a feeling that um, those are some, some names and positions that will be included in the bottom. Yep, you are 110% correct. They actually, the, the two worst offensive-graded players on Sunday was T.J. Hawkinson and Josh Oliver. T.J. Hawkinson had a 49.3 grade and Josh Oliver had a 39.8 grade. Ironically, both of them did very, very well in uh, pass protection. Uh, Josh Oliver did very well in run blocking. T.J. Hawkinson did not. And then in the receiving game is where both of those really struggled. Uh, Obviously, with Josh Oliver with a fumble, that's going to ding you. Uh, And then uh, T.J. Hawkinson just he was having a rough day receiving wise. And for our second Receiver, really? Uh, that's an issue, yeah. and that's obviously why we one of the reasons we lost the game. And yeah. then Justin Jefferson came in at the third worst at a 55.7 grade. Obviously, he missed a piece of the game. Uh, also, there was a lot of penalties in there that can contribute to some of this. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully an outlier. Obviously, he, well, we'll get into his IR status here in a little bit. Um, yeah. But we have Cam Akers coming in at fourth, uh, fourth worst at a 55.9 grade. Did did very, very well uh, in pass blocking. Um, but when it came to run, he was having a little bit of an issue. We ended the, the day at a 3.9 yards per rush attempt, um, which is not as good as where we've been the last few days. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's an issue. And then KJ Osborne was fifth worst at a 57.3 grade. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Rough day all around with, but when it came to our weapons, and that's yeah. obviously uh, reflected in the score. Yeah. And then adding uh, injury to insult, you know, Jefferson gets hurt on top of it. So, yeah. Um, I want to end on a positive, so let's switch to defense and talk yep. bottom first. Then we'll talk about who we thought played well. Um, I, I like had a that. hard time with this on specifics, um, so I'm going to go with a theme. And my theme is I think we got outplayed in space. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go on the edges of the Vikings defense to guess on the players. I I know he had a sack, but I didn't love what I saw from Davenport. And then I thought Murphy wasn't good, Pace, Blackman, and I didn't know on a fifth one. So um, maybe another corner is in there. Maybe it's Metellus or Bynum. Not yep. sure. But Davenport and Murphy I, I particularly didn't like. Yep, you are spot on. Josh Metellus, unfortunately, was the worst-graded player oh, on Sunday at a 48.4 okay. grade. The yeah. ironic part here is he was elite in run defense, and I mean like 80.0 grade in run defense. He was phenomenal in run. Uh, pass crush, he had an 80.5 grade, which was phenomenal. The areas in which he struggled was coverage. When he was in coverage, he did okay. very, very poorly. He poor, uh, played 31 coverage snaps and uh, did not do well. <laughs> okay. um, yep. There were some some issues there. I believe he gave up uh, 53 yards, which was like 7.6 yards per carry. So in coverage, there were some issues. So uh, the Chiefs clearly found a way to exploit Josh Metellus. But uh, in run and in, in pass rush, Josh Metellus did very, very well. Okay. Um, and then coming in at the second worst was Marcus Davenport, like you mentioned, at a 49.7 grade. Yeah. And across the board, he struggled. He did have yeah. one sack, uh, but across the board, he was he was struggling. Um, so I that's so a, that's definitely an issue. And then a guy that I think is maybe eligible to be benched if this performance does not 
uh, turn itself around is Byron Murphy Jr. Mm. I was really excited about him coming into this season, but every single game he has performed very poorly. And and, and on Sunday, he had a 50.0 grade and struggled everywhere. Uh, in yeah. every single uh, regard, he struggled. In tackling, he was at a 27.2 grade. So uh, there is there's some issues when it comes to that so, left cornerback position. Yep. So this is concerning, Giles, because we, we just talked about how we think something is missing from the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. And we identified that as being their weapons on the outside. Who scares yep. you other than Travis Kelsey? And here we're talking about a couple of Vikings defenders who got outplayed by these mm. guys who we say are the missing piece. Very concerning, I think. What about a guy who I like, but I don't think he played well either? And maybe you mentioned him already, and I spaced it. But did you mention Makai Blackman? Makai Blackman was the sixth worst worst graded player. Uh, He did give up, uh, I believe, 51 yards, which averaged for about 17 yards per reception. Uh, That was a rough day. Uh, He he ended the day at a 54.0 coverage grade. So uh, definitely a rough game for him. Uh, You know, played 46 snaps and 33 in coverage. So yeah, Yeah. definitely some issues on that side as well. He was our our um, uh, backup right cornerback, but still definitely some some poor coverage there. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, all right. Positive. Positive. Give me your top top. What do you think? I think my guy, Jordan Hicks played well. I think Mm -hmm. Harrison Smith played well. And I liked Daniel Hunter. I, I thought he was disruptive and I know he had a sack, but I thought he was neutral or winning a lot of battles. So those are the three I wrote down outside of that. I didn't have a lot to get to, but I smiled because I think Hicks is up there, and I yep. like him. I, I like him as part of this defense. I think he's a a culture guy. I think he's a glue guy. So I yep. like it when guys like that play well. Yep, you are 110% correct. Jordan Hicks was the best defensive player on the field, according mm. to PFF, with a 90.3 grade. He was yeah. phenomenal in the run game. He had a 90.9 grade in the run. He did very well in coverage. I would say he was average, maybe a little below average in pass rush. Uh and then he was a great tackler. So he had a great day. Nice. My goodness. He had a phenomenal day. Uh, so really excited to see that. Uh, and then coming in at five, uh, only had two snaps. Uh, so a little bit skewed here was Troy Dye. Um, so if we, we oh. move him outside, Harrison Smith was the fifth best uh, graded player with a 62.6 grade. Um, so he did struggle a little bit in coverage. Uh, so clearly the safety room had some issues here, uh, yeah. but was uh, pretty, pretty decent in all the other categories. So he was pretty good. And then Dean Lowry had another decent day. I wouldn't say it was oh, phenomenal. Really? He came in at third uh, at a 66.2 grade. Ironically, I was there with a Chiefs fan that we were taking from a, a client. Chuck uh, runs uh, essentially movie theater projectors, and he's a big Chiefs fan, flew in for the game. And I leaned over to him because we saw Dean Lowry on the screen. And I'm like, honestly, I think that's maybe one of the best – I'm sorry, one of the worst – defensive tackles in the NFL. So that's going to be a way to exploit us. And he performed pretty well. He played well. Um, okay. Yeah. So I was uh, definitely shocked there. So he came in at a 66.2 grade, which isn't standout, but it was decent. Um, so excited to see that. And then a guy that I've been definitely rooting for came in at number two, Jaqueline Roy at an 81.3 ah. grade, uh, did decent in pass rush, decent in run grade. So at an 81 grade, I'm hoping that we can have another uh, pretty decent interior player, one that we haven't had in a while when it's come nice. to come to the draft. So nice. All right, very cool. Um, and look, I know Jordan Hicks is a guy the team's going to identify as, hey, we got to upgrade here, we got to move on, we got to get younger, whatever. But for right now, man, he's helping you hold it together. So uh, mm-hmm. kudos to him for uh, for standing his ground and playing well. I, I like it when he does well. Um, look, I, I think overall from a PFF standpoint, uh, the optimism there is with the offensive line. Hopefully those guys can keep that going. That's a really positive development for uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. On the reverse side, a negative development for the Minnesota Vikings is Justin Jefferson going to IR, Giles. Going to yeah. miss the next four games at least. And there's a lot of innuendo out there about a prolonged absence due to unhappiness with his contract, future of the quarterback position, win-loss record, that it could, it could leak into four or five or more games. So... Um, my question to you, I guess, or my jumping off point for this discussion is we know Jefferson's out for four games, but we also are pretty sure he'll be back in the interim. What? Honestly, I think you have to further lean into 12 personnel. I mean, you got to lean into your strengths. And although they did not have a great game against the Chiefs, I still believe they're still top level players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver, you got to lean into that. And hopefully they take this 
injury and they take it to heart and they say, all right, the team is now on our shoulders because I've been dwelling on this over the week. Is there a chance that the Vikings actually get better without Justin Jefferson? Okay, so that that's where I was going to take us here. Yeah. Um, where I was going to take us is there is there is no doubt that you would rather have Jefferson in the fold. Yes. And I'm not going to come off of that that position. He's the best non-quarterback in the league, period, okay. full stop. So you're better with him on the field. Yes. However, as you're trying to recalibrate and redefine yourself – is there a part of this that makes you better? You know, because it's like if 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 this thing gets turned around and you're in a position where it's like, hey, if we go four and zero down the stretch, we have a chance to have a chance. Like if to get into that position, the Vikings are going to have to stumble onto something or figure something out where they win a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in that scenario, I think it's kind of advantageous that you have to figure it out without Jefferson because you figure out what is it that's going to be the complement to Jefferson when he comes back. And the only mm-hmm. way to find that out is through reps and opportunity. And you are afforded those because you can't throw the ball to Jefferson 12 times a game, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where you were going too. Absolutely. And Doing that against the Bears is a great way to start (laughs) (laughs) because you are talking about the 31st ranked pass defense and the 30th ranked scoring defense. This is a defense that absolutely will give you opportunities to throw against them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't disagree with your 12 personnel take. I do think it's smart to lean into that, but I'd like to see opportunities for some of these fringe wide receivers to see who can step up and be on the field when it comes crunch time when Jefferson's out there. I have a feeling it's KJ and Addison, but maybe it's other people. Um, Brandon Powell did very well against the Chiefs. He was actually I, the sixth highest, highest graded player on so Sunday. So let me tell you my – okay, that's that's great data right there. Brandon Powell is not a nobody or a nothing also, Brandon Powell played f- with the Rams when O'Connell was there. Like, he didn't just come here by accident. Like, no. Powell is here on purpose, like right. Akers. Yep. Akers is yep. here on purpose, too. Yes. Um, so let's let's sort of – let's meld these two discussions together, guys. The Jefferson to IR thing and then now a preview of the Bears. Um, Vikings at Bears, noon central time on Sunday from Soldier Field. The game will be on Fox. Vikings installed as two-and-a-half-point favorites currently. Um, the total for this game is 44, which I think is pretty low. Vikings enter 1-4 and four off a loss to the Chiefs. The Bears enter 1-4 and four off a Thursday night football win over the Commanders. A game in which DJ Moore completely dominated. Eight catches, 230 yards, and three touchdowns. Justin Fields had four touchdowns. Chicago ran the ball 32 times for 178 yards. Now, the Bears are banged up on both sides of the ball. Starting running back is hurt. Uh, Two corners are hurt, including their nickel. Uh, Eddie Jackson is hurt. Their center is hurt. Um, So they're a bit banged up, and their pass defense stinks. I mean, their pass defense is awful. So I think opportunity exists here for the Vikings to figure something out without Justin Jefferson against a weak defense to gain a momentous win on the road and to sort of keep their eye on 2023 at Soldier uh, off off of a win at Soldier Field. So it's not doom and gloom for me and the sky is not falling. I see opportunity here for the Vikings at Soldier Field. How about you? I completely agree. I think across all those spectrums, Brandon Powell has a, a great addition here. All, all of our, our skilled position players outside of Justin Jefferson how, have a, a pretty phenomenal opportunity to go set the record straight, uh, literally and figuratively here. Hopefully we can put another uh, win on the board. But I think yeah. if you zoom out and look at the Minnesota Vikings and then zoom back in and look at their context against the Bears, there is a lot to like here that we can lean into. A car, a, uh, according to the the five weeks that we played football for the Vikings, we're still eighth in yards, right? Um, now, I think it's important to note that the second place through eighth place, which is us, are very, very similar. The only other team that has more is Miami, and they have about 600 more yards than the second place player, uh, so or second place team. So you're doing pretty phenomenal in that re- regard. Now, you're 15th in points scored as a team, okay? Do you... 
I'm trying to think about how to say this. We're, we're, we're fifth in touchdowns scored. I should just say that. We're 15th in points scored, but we're fifth in touchdowns scored. So obviously there's a, an interesting paradigm here that's happening um, that we are 31st in field goals. We have four. The Vikings have four field goals thus far this season through five games. The Eagles have 16. They have literally four times as many field goals in the Jeez, Minnesota Vikings. Really? So we're fifth in touchdown scored. We're 31st in field goals. Now, we've uh, made every single field goal that we've attempted. So just to set the record straight there, it's not that we're attempting and not hitting them. We're simply not attempting field goals. So I think there's an interesting element there. Now, we're fourth in yards per play. We're 10th in first downs. We're second in yards gained per game. We're first in passes completed, first in pass attempts. We're second in passing yards. We're first in receiving touchdowns. Like, we're doing well in a lot of categories. And I don't think these are categories that are just like, oh, you're packaging things together to make the team look good. We're doing very well at producing quality drives. Like, yeah. the only area that we haven't done well be, uh, is, is in rushing. And we're, we're 28th in rushing yards. But that's partially because the first two games we didn't run the ball well. Um, so there's some issues there, obviously. But I think we're, we're on the right trajectory. We are just simply turning the ball over too much. Like, I really think that's the issue. Uh, we're first in drives that end in an, end, uh, an offensive turnover. 22% of plays result in an offensive turnover. That's an issue. Uh, that's, so that's I think ridiculous. On, that, that is a stat that absolutely has to change. <laughs> um, like, that, that is a, a major issue. So uh, if you can fix that, which we've talked about for the first five weeks, like a, uh, a record player here, that yep. will fix your issues. We are, we are a productive team. When you go to PFF and you sort by all the different common uh, categories that offenses care about, we're at least top five, if not top 10, or uh, top 10, if not top five in all those categories. It's just turnovers that are, are causing an issue. Every other team that you compare us against are all four and oh, three, you know, four and one, you know, and, and we are, are one and four. So obviously there's some issues that are going on here that are skewing those results. So, yeah. I think there's things like on offense, and I think we can exploit those against the Chicago Bears. When it comes to defense, uh, we are 13th in yards per play allowed at 5.1 yards per, per play. Um, we are 32nd in pass allowed. Um, so we're, we give up uh, the most passes in the NFL, um, which is something interesting. I wouldn't have expected that looking into that. Uh, we have the fourth, or fourth most amount of defensive penalties. Uh, we give up Ugh. the fifth most amount of yards via penalty. So that's okay. issue. Um, we are first in the number of blitz plays, period. We oh, have really? 113 blitz plays so far this season. The second, who do you think is second in number of blitz plays in the NFL? Rough guess. Uh, Chiefs. Uh, close. They're, they're in the, the top there. Uh, quick, quick tip uh, or hint. Uh, Brian Flores has a connection to him. Miami? Uh, not Miami. With Good Vic call. Fangio? Oh, yeah. uh, Patriots? Uh, Patriots they are second yeah, yeah. the Patriots are second and they have 81 we have oh, 32 more geez, blitz plays than 30 second more place. <laughs> yeah yeah uh so we are blitzing 56.2 uh percent of every play so we're blitzing a lot which is what we expected with Brian Flores we did um, yeah yep. yep uh we are 11th in QB hurries which I thought it was interesting we are blitzing a lot but we're not getting a ton of pressures that's bad uh, I mean we're, bad we're still combo. It's a bad combo. So that, that is yeah. something to be fixed because we're blitzing a lot. But if you're not getting QB hurries, it's all for not. Uh, we are 15th in rushing touchdowns allowed or 28th in receiving touchdowns allowed. So clearly we're doing league average in, in run defense. But when it comes to receiving, I think our secondary is actually not doing too bad. We're just not getting home. Like our pressure, in my opinion, is what the issue is. Because when yeah. you look at our secondary play, a lot of them are actually being productive. It's just the pressure is not happening, right? Uh, where you have the fourth highest red zone touchdown percentage allowed. Um, and we have the most average time per drive allowed on defense. So we are giving teams more time on offense than any other team in the NFL. And yeah. that is something that has to change if you want to win the game. Mm -hmm. Interesting. God, those are really good numbers, Giles. That, that's a good self-scout. I mean, that, that's how, I mean, if you can do it to yourself every week, that's great. But when you get into a bye week, those are the types of things you look at. You look, mm -hmm. also look at your play calling tendencies and you take a look at players who you can replace in the lineup with better or younger players. Um, so those are all really good, insightful numbers. And not, not just season long, but also as you look at the matchup with the Bears. You know, I, um, when, when, I, when I look at just things I would do against the Bears here, you know, offensively, I would throw the ball against them. I mean, I, I, I would almost just not even really like, oh, we want to go in and establish the run and quiet the crowd. No, we're coming in there. It's We're going to air it out. You don't think we're going to do it because Justin Jefferson is out, but here we go. 
it can be out of 12, it can be out of 11, whatever personnel group you want, but I put the ball in the air because I don't think the Bears can guard you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then defensively, what worries me is something we talked about last week with uh, the Chiefs. What worries me for the Vikings' defense in this game is committing to blitzing or pressuring fields, not getting mm-hmm. home, and then fields running. Yeah. So... Whatever scheme or style of play that will allow defenders' eyes to be on the quarterback, that is what I think you should do. I don't want too high man underneath where guys are trailing receivers with their back to the quarterback and Fields is able to run. I don't that's not what I would do. I want eyes on the quarterback. So one of the things that he can't do to save a play is 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 run and as long as dj moore doesn't have 230 yards and three touchdowns against you i think that the vikings have a really good chance to win this game Um, i agree yeah handily yeah um but i think you know jefferson being out stinks but it's an opportunity for kirk to go out there and not have to worry about running the offense through jefferson you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah, it potentially opens it up. It it, you, it makes a uh, a much more complex thing for defenses to account for because yeah. I don't want to say it's simple to stop Justin Jefferson, but it's a singular point of of stoppage, right? You like how do I stop this player versus all right, who are they going to throw the ball to? I have no idea how they're going to run this offense with Justin Jefferson out. Yeah, so it'll really lean into Kevin O'Connell's level of creativity. What can he do to utilize all these players that have actually a tremendous amount of talent? Um, yeah. So when I, you know, when I look at this game, you know, I, I see, uh, I mentioned the Vikings are four and a half point favorites and the totals 44. Mm -hmm. Um, I see the Vikings winning and covering and I see the game going over. So I'm sitting there at, you know, 30 to 17, 28, 17, 28, 20, 30, 20. I'm seeing something like that. Mm -hmm. And, if anything, I see the Bears not getting to 17. Maybe it's 14 or 10 or something like that. And laugh at me if you want if, if we're talking about a 1-5 team a week from now. Um, but we're going to talk after, after you give your prediction, Giles. We're going to talk about you know the tank or not tank discussion. If I'm wrong on this and and they lose the game, I'm going to be on the other side of the fence of the argument I'm going to make in a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think the Vikings can win this game. I think they will win the game, and I think it sets up a very significant stretch of games uh, coming up with San Francisco, Green Bay, and Atlanta coming up in the next month. Yep. I am on the same wavelength here. I, I'm predicting a 17-31 to 31 win for the Minnesota Vikings. I think that's what's going to happen. I also think that's what's required if you expect to move forward as a team this season because your Justin Jefferson is out. You need to prove that you can actually move the ball without him because realistically, this could be six to eight weeks before Justin Jefferson is back. I mean, that, that, that could be shortened if, if he can really rehab well, but those hamstrings can really linger on. So oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. operate with the belief that he'll be out six to eight weeks. So you need to be able to be prepared to how to win games without him. And if you expect to go toe to toe with the other real big dogs in the league, you need to go put up 31 on the, on, on the bears period. Yep. You, yep. you have to do it. Um, so I'm predicting a 17 to 31 win. All right. So you're at 48 total points. So you would be playing the over as well. And you take the yes. Vikings to cover. Uh, yep. I am in the same boat. We will see what happens. Of course. Um, uh, we'll talk about it next week uh, on that edition of the Wobcast 2.0. when we break down the Vikings bears game and we look ahead to a very tough opponent in the San Francisco 49ers who will come to us bank stadium next week in week seven. Before we go, though, um, I think number one talker in Vikings Nation, Giles, is to tank or not to tank. Um, mm-hmm. I think those who have been listening to the whole episode know where we're going to stand on this. I, I just, I do believe that when it's over, when you're out, be out. Get out, be out. Yep. Don't, don't let quote-unquote meaningless wins in a season hurt your chances for next season whether Mm -hmm. it comes to draft position or playing young players to develop them all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not one of those who's like you have to win every game at all costs no matter what it's good for the culture you know what sometimes it makes some sense to not lose on purpose but to play young players for development try new things hand play calling duties to a 
a less experienced coach, all that, all that. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Vikings are there right now, Giles. I take a look at what's ahead, and I, I do believe they'll lose to San Francisco next week. But mm -hmm. after that, it's at Green Bay, at Atlanta, home to New Orleans, at Denver, home to Chicago, bye week. And then it's Raiders. Mm -hmm. You know, like I you said. You off some wins. You can. You can. And some may be detractors out there, and they'll say they don't think it will happen, but it's possible that it will happen. And – because of that, I think you got to stick with it in 2023 still, even looking at one and four in the face. Yep, I completely agree. When you look at all the different categories that most teams measure success off of, we yeah. are doing well. Now, yeah. clearly, we haven't figured out how to not fumble the ball, so uh, that obviously is part of the equation. But when you remove that from it, we are a elite offense in pretty much every category and we are league average in most categories for defense and if you would have gone into this season asking for those two things you would have said let's do it right now if you were to to kind of uh, fast forward to the end of the season and say hey you lost seven games like which is not as many as i would love but let's say even even six or seven games whatever you'd say all right not as many as i'd love but we can work with that we just we got them all at the same time right um yeah. so if we can really click this together and and let Justin Jefferson's IR status power our motivation to go show other teams that we're, we're more than Justin Jefferson. He's a phenomenal player and we always want him on the field, but we're not Justin Jefferson uh, just as, as a team. We have a lot of other amazing weapons. If we can properly motivate ourselves, I think there's a real, a real powerhouse lying in wait. Now, I also agree we're going to lose to the 49ers. I think they're the most complete team in the NFL, but I think we can absolutely rattle off some wins to get back to neutral and like you mentioned, November is the time that the NFL starts, really. And yeah. I think there's a chance that we can get back to somewhat even by then and then go on a run uh, because I think we have all the right pieces to be dominant. We really, really do. Now, obviously, they have to go do that, but I really do believe that they could turn the ship around. Yep. I think they can, too. Uh, mathematically, I know they can, but just from what I'm watching, I, I can <laughs> – I would hold out hope for it still. I wouldn't mm -hmm. I wouldn't wave the white flag and start benching people and trade cousins and all this stuff. I just I just don't think you're there. I think at one and five and a loss to the Bears, then I think you are there. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> you know, but that's not where you are, and I think they're gonna be two and four. Agreed. Yep. Um Completely. and the Lions are four and one, and that's who you have to look at first. And you have to keep in mind that you play them twice in the final three weeks. So if you are within three games with three weeks to go, you're literally in it to win it. Yeah, um, you're in control of your destiny. Yeah. So um, that that's where I think they sit. Um, I, I hope that at this time next week we're talking about ways. Like, I hope the question is, Giles, can you formulate a path to victory against the Niners? Like, that's what I hope the discussion is. Because yep. it, if if they lose to the Bears, that's not what the discussion is. We're gonna like <laughs> preview the Niners for like two minutes, and then after that, we're gonna start talking about who can we play that's young to help them develop and be a part of the team next year, right? Yep. Like, yep. So anyway, um, that's sort of where I think things are going. Um, any notes, thoughts, opinions that we didn't get to uh, throughout the duration of the show for you? I think the last thing would be the difference of what we think Vikings should do and what they will actually do as just a general Vikings fan base. I know yeah. a lot of people wearing purple today that are like, all right, blow it up. There's no chance we can get back from this. Yeah. We should trade Kirk Cousins. We should trade Daniel Hunter. And whether we should or we shouldn't, I can definitely argue that. And we just provided our thoughts on the team as a general. I don't think the Vikings are a team that will ever condone blowing it up. They yeah. are like the, the New York Giants, or they're like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are always in it to win it. They always want to be competitive. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you also have Brian Flores as a defensive coordinator who is in an active NFL lawsuit against a team for tanking. So I don't ever foresee the Vikings actively pursuing that category. So I think the moment Vikings fans realize, like, all right, they're never going to do that. Let's get back to realistic solutions and how we can win, not speculate on, oh, well, they could do this. That's a pipe dream at this point. Agreed. Um, especially right now at, at one and four, um, yes. they're, they're not going to do it. Um, mm -hmm. If they beat the Bears and then they lose to the Niners, they're still not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah it, things would have to get pretty bad for, their, for that to ever be a realistic yeah. possibility. Yep. Agreed. And um, the trade deadline is Halloween, I think. We looked that up, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, if if you truly are like basically math, like like if they have one win and it's close to the trade deadline, then I think you got to have some hard conversations and yep. and think about how you do this, but you do it competitively, you do it with integrity, you do mm-hmm. right by the people who are invested, and that includes fans. You know, but let's cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, there's yes. a few games to go before that, and a couple of them I think the Vikings will win. One of them we know they're favored in, and that's this one. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what happens over the next two weeks, there's a chance the Vikings go to Atlanta as a favorite. Now, right now they'd be an underdog, but we'll see what happens. So mm-hmm. um, a lot to see before you can endorse a tanking philosophy. I, I don't think you're there quite yet. Mm-hmm. Others have differing opinions, and that what that's what makes the whole thing fun, right? Fun yeah. to talk about. So, yeah. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Um, Giles and I both see a victory, and um, I think the other takeaway from this episode, and I'll give you the last word on it, is uh, the improvement of that offensive line, particularly the interior. That is the silver lining for the purple right now, Giles. Could not agree more. My my boy Ed there at right guard. What yeah. a stud. I am so proud of him for for stepping up because yeah. that that is a, a deal breaker uh, in the right way to winning this season. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I think had he had another poor game, he would have not necessarily been right guard anymore. And the fact that he's yeah. there really shows some really exciting things yet to come for this season. Awesome. And uh, before I'd be remiss not to say this too before we go, congrats again to KLC. Hope you guys have had a really fun week. And I th- you have a, an event this weekend too, right? Do you not? Uh- uh, not not this weekend. Tomorrow we, oh. we end the day uh, with um, with uh, Bring Your Pet to Work Day. This morning we had Omelet Day. We brought in a personal <laughs> chef that made custom omelets for everyone. Oh, that's uh, awesome. It was, it was quite good phenomenal. for you guys. So it's a good day to be in equipment finance. Awesome. Good for you guys, man. Happy for you. That's awesome to hear. All right, everyone. That's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We thank you for listening, and we encourage you to like, follow, and subscribe to the Wobcast 2.0 so you can hear and watch all future episodes and join the conversation with myself and with Giles. You can do that wherever you find all your other favorite football content and podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and, of course, we're also on YouTube. So on behalf of Giles, this is Wabi signing off for now. Good luck to the Vikings at Soldier Field, hoping for a victory and some more positive discussion a week from now. Until next time, Skull Vikings.